Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have Audrey Huey. Yes, we do. And it's such a great interview. Audrey is an author, but she also has um, planners and um, just different tools for authors to kind of get them um, headed in the right direction and to help them take that next step. And it was just such a great interview. Yeah, it's very uh, when I think of planners and organizing and stuff, sometimes it seems like the advice is very restricted yeah yeah and it's like oh and audrey's not like that at all she's created this stuff and she wants you to use it however it works for you and modify Mm -hmm. it for you and we talk Mm -hmm. a lot about like what to do when your plans don't work yep and you know how to when life happens yeah yeah, like and the difference between like a target and a goal and um kind of reducing your stress. So it's really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And it's a great interview for us going into 2022. So I know a lot of people have probably already made their 2022 plans, but some people haven't. And (laughs) uh, I think that this really will be helpful and uh, really great information. And we are uh, recording this actually on the 11th. Yes. So it's a little early, (laughs) a little early because this is going to come out on the 21st, but we are taking next week off the 28th. So there won't be a podcast because we're also giving our, our team the week off. And uh, so we'll see you back in 2022. Can y'all believe that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I find I'm much better at looking back the yeah. previous year than looking ahead. I'm terrible. Yes. I have I'm like my futuristic on the strengths finder is probably like one yeah. of my <laughs> lowest ones. I have no future vision. So I can look back and go, oh, this year I did this. Yeah. But then looking ahead is really hard for me. It's so very hard. I love planners. Too. I love buying planners. I love yes. calendars. I love stationery and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So we talk about that in the interview too, about yes. how you have to find the right thing that works for you. So right. Right. Very funny. So we should get on with the interview because it's really great. And again, we'll see you in 2022. Yeah, here we go. So today we are really excited to talk with Audrey Huey. Hi, Audrey. How are you? Hi, I'm okay. How are you? We're great. We're glad you're here. We're so, um, this is, I think this is going to be a good episode for all of us. So uh, we're happy you're here. Yeah, we're going to talk you. about organization and Planning. Staying on track and planning. So I think it'll be really good, especially mm-hmm. for this time of year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I love doing all of this stuff this time. Of year. <laughs> all right. Well, let me read your bio and then we'll get started. Audrey Huey is the founder of the Author Transformation Alliance, a community dedicated to the uplifting and empowerment and empowering authors of all stages to reach their vision of success step-by-step with powerful network to support and guide them. She's also the creator of the Author's Planner. Very good. So tell us like how you got into working with authors, because I know you're an author yourself and we'll talk about that in a minute, but, but how did you start writing, working with authors? Yeah. So I love this because it's, it so speaks to the idea that 
um, we should be exploring, not just in our youth, but I mean, throughout our lives, we should be exploring our interests. So I was working as um, a contractor driving, commuting into the DC area. And I still, um, even with that commute and the working hours, I still uh, couldn't get enough of my extra um, interest. <laughs> so <laughs> as a to- on top of writing, I was in this great critique group um, with the Shenandoah Valley Writers mm-hmm. because I'm on the top of the valley. And we were doing these critique groups. And once a month, we'd meet up and uh, actually go to Harrisonburg. And I really loved it. And I got to read... Um, a man of character by Margaret Locke and which is a fantastic book. And she's a fantastic author. Um, she hit the USA today bestseller list, uh, when she was still, um, really active. And when, so I got to read that that's her first book she released and there were other authors. I got to read the early works. And this was a very, a group that wasn't just getting together and like griping about writing. Mm-hmm. They were actually <laughs> doing it. Yeah. Um, I think we've all been part of those. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. So she, um, so along with her and others and, and everybody's very publishing minded, very professional. And at the time, the pres, the, the current or the president at the time of the Virginia writers club, which is the oldest writing club in the U S by the way, um, she was also part of that group. So she exuded professionalism, um, Maggie Duncan or Phyllis A. Duncan. And so it was, it was something, it was kind of a culture in that group. And so it was professional covers. It was professional editing. It was setting up our own imprints, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And she, she really helped everyone do that. They, everyone helped each other. But when it came to marketing, there was a problem where, um, the book would get released and everybody, you know, made these wonderful and like you have to front end investments in, mm-hmm. in publishing and then no sales. And I said, okay, well, what was your marketing plan? Because at the time I was doing a combination of on top of my fiction writing, um, uh, copywriting and magazine writing. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, what was your marketing plan? And what marketing plan? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, don't be sad because people can't say yes or no to your book if they don't know about it. Right, so, right, right, right. So I started helping the people in my critique group first, and then it quickly spiraled out of control out of the time available that I had, which was already pretty limited. So I said, gosh, what's a format I can use to make sure I'm helping as many people as possible because I'm really saying a lot of the same things mm-hmm. over and over and over again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just to different people. So that's why I set up the Author Transformation Alliance because I was like, I'm going to build this library of videos and we want a website. So it's hosted on something I can control. That's not Facebook finicky or anything else. And so it's just going to be a nominal fee where it helps pay for this website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And um, so that's really how it was born and and how um, me helping other authors was born was because um, out of me helping my friends in the critique group, more people like, well, go, go ask Audrey. She can help. Go ask Audrey. And it was like, come on, guys. I mean, Mm -hmm. I love that I'm helping. And I'm like, if something I can do being just a little bit ahead in one area or another Mm -hmm. can lend a hand and, and uplift someone else or empower them. Then, then I have to do it. Right, right. I have I to be there, and it's uh, this weird. 
thing with me. It's probably like this army thing because I was in the military and where I, I have to be part of something bigger than myself. I have to be contributing to a team mission. Mm-hmm. So that is, that is me contributing to the team. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I love that answer. That's, that's a great thing. Yeah. And I think it's really true that when you start out, there's so many things you don't know. And then if you're helping people get going, the same things do come up over and over mm-hmm. again. So it's very mm-hmm. smart to have a way to say, hey, this, these will answer your questions. So yeah, you go here. Your time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, tell us about what you write. So I, um, I love reading and writing just about everything. I would say literally everything, but not little. I'm, I'm not really good at uh, Christian historical romance, even though I love the people who can write that. Um, and I don't write erotica, but <laughs> basically everything in between. Those <laughs> in fact, I, um, my husband borrowed my, my MacBook um, the other day because he's, he's a creative as well. And he, writes songs so um he doesn't consider himself a singer but he'll do the demos with the lyrics mm-hmm. so that um him and his partner can work on it and he stole my laptop so he could do that and i went ahead and i outlined a new story that is sci-fi adventure <laughs> <laughs> but i write thrillers i have yeah. a four book um sweet but steamy romance and uh series i'm hoping to release this spring mm-hmm. so I mean, there's, there's really, I, I love to write everything and I really um, don't want to limit myself. My goal is to publish a hundred titles if, mm-hmm. if I'm able to mm-hmm. in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yay. And, uh, you know, Louis L'Amour is my inspiration. So mm-hmm. I want to publish a hundred titles and I don't want to limit my, my, limit myself. I see a lot of people get strung up on, um, on the money. Right. And I would babysit, I have babysit, you know, for other people, I've done babysitting for other people so that I could save up for my editing money, you know, mm-hmm. for my cover. So I don't like babysitting. I had like bad experiences when I was a teen, but you know, for my friends, I'm like, Oh, can you, you know, uh, watch my kids this weekend? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I will. <laughs> right. and I'm more than happy to. So I, I don't want, I would write, my stories, whether there was money in it or not. Right. I want to follow my creative passion. And I know, thankfully, that at least some of the stuff I want to write is in a hot market, like my romantic suspense. Mm-hmm. And if you have Kalytics, the report for that just came out and it is beautiful. Prospects <laughs> so, mm-hmm. are great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so t- quickly, tell us about why Louis L'Amour is your inspiration. Is it because yes. he's prolific? That's an unusual name. Not one that doesn't come up a lot. Yeah, we don't podcast. use that one very often. <laughs> <laughs> I love Louis L'Amour. I, um, I was, I think the, when I really got into him, like I grew up with his books in my mom's little library that we had in our home. Um, and I say like a mini library, it was a half wall that had a bookshelf yeah. built in, you know, yeah. but um, she had fantasy, she had Westerns, Greek mythology. My parents had a great selection of books, but Louis L'Amour, I love the old Westerns. I, I grew up on a horse farm. So anything, you know, the old West is like the epitome of the, the horse days. Right. So I, um, but I was in Iraq 
and in 2009 to 2010, and I would read on my smoke breaks because I'm, back then I smoked. And it was the only time I really got away because I was typically working um, 12 to 14 hour days, sometimes more, seven days a week. Um, sometimes Sundays would be a 10 hour day, mm-hmm. sometimes. And so I really did need a mental break and I loved what I did, but I needed a mental break. So on my breaks in my um, cargo pockets for my uniform, they're huge and they can, they're just perfect size for a novel. Right. (laughs) So I got the whole 22 book series of the sackets and I read through that. I mean, I just tore through it on my smoke breaks and just the way he told a story, you can see sometimes in some books where he wasn't into it or he was coming back to it from other projects. And I just fell in love with his style. I fell in love with um, his the tropes and I fell in love with the way he wove together a story. And although I tried to read other Western authors, they didn't have the same kind of female characters that Louis Lamore did, even mm-hmm. though he has traditional He's a traditional Western author. He had pretty fierce females. Hmm. One of his, I forgot, I I have it, I think downstairs on my other desk, but one of his novels opens up with an old woman with a 50 caliber rifle, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So, I mean, that is fierce, Mm. you know? So Mm. I I really love the way he presented that. And I I love the way he could tell a story and it could have all the same tropes, but I felt like I was reading something new every time. And I was like, gosh, I just love to meet him someday in 2009 or 2010. Mm. And of course, then I look him up when I can and realize he's passed away back in 1987. Mm. So in the 80s, I'm like, oh, like two years after I was born. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But that shows you how timeless his books are. Yeah, they still appeal now. So that's Mm -hmm. terrific. And they still speak to me. And I, and just as an aside, I got the Lost Treasures volume, which is partly narrated by Bo with like little interjections by his son, Bo. And he, if he could have lived today and been in this self-publishing world where an author could have control, he mm-hmm. would have published so much more that was not Westerns. It turns mm-hmm. out publishers wouldn't touch anything except Westerns. And mm-hmm. he wanted to write so much more. He got to do The Haunted Mesa, which is definitely not a traditional Western and things like that. But, oh, there's so many cool books that he had started and and manuscripts he'd been working on that he just couldn't shop out. I think he would have loved to live today and, and have. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's so cool. I mean, I didn't know that. And my dad loves Lula more. So that's, that's very cool. So back to your working with um, authors, is there anything you wish you'd known about working with authors before you started? Like, um, like, cause did you start indie or did you start tra- trying to go traditional? No, I did not start traditional. Um, yeah. especially after working contracting, being in the military, as much as I loved it. Yeah. I was so tired of control. Of rules. <laughs> I wanted control. <laughs> Yeah, yes. a military and, spouse. I totally understand yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm like, give me a rule so I can break it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, so absolutely. It was one of those things where, again, I want to write for passion. I don't like if I won award, an award, that'd be cool, but it's not something that's on my bucket list. Yeah. Crazy enough as it sounds, it's not important yeah. to me. Uh, like I said, even if I poured, you know, hundreds, thousands of dollars into my writing, I will keep doing it because mm-hmm. I want to tell these stories. Mm-hmm. So um, 
so yeah, I didn't, I didn't try to go traditional at all, even though my husband and his lack of knowledge, he's like, you should, you should submit. I'm like, he's like, you'd make so much more money. I was like, honey, that's not how this works. Yeah, that's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. But what do you wish you'd known about working with um, independently published authors before you started? Well, I do work with, um, I do have some hybrid and some trad or coming from trad authors that I work with as well. And I think the biggest thing I wish I'd known is that I, I am not less confident than anyone else. So in terms of so many people have these hidden fears and these insecurities, and I'm not the only one who has these insecurities about putting my work out into the world. Mm, I'm not the only one who's scared of getting visible. And I think a lot of us, we, if I would have known this sooner, it would have helped, but we're scared of being visible. Yeah. Because then we have to put ourselves out to the world. And yeah. what is that going to change for us? Not just what are people going to say, but that does that mean we have to step up? We have to step up into this new role and new role. And it could change the way we see ourselves in the world, which means we might have to change our lives. <laughs> right, right, right. There is that sort of fear of success almost yeah, for is. a lot of people. What will change? And, and you see this. Fortunately, I, I dabble in both worlds. I did the copywriting. I did, um, uh, got into Beachbody because one of my friends was like, please, please, please. And I was like, well, for you, I'll do anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was interesting to go to a lot of these things and, and get into that entrepreneur side of the world um, where people are exploring that and saying, you know, sometimes we're scared of visibility and scared of success mm-hmm. because maybe we're, that's why we're still in this relationship we're in. Mm-hmm. If we had money, would we leave? Mm-hmm. If we had money, you know, or if we got that success we want, would we maintain the life that we're living now? Because those kind of changes are the big, scary changes that yeah. lurk just beneath the surface of our minds, yeah. of our conscious minds. And so thinking, well, if I do succeed, all these things that I dream of might actually come true. Yeah. And sometimes wow. that's actually scary. It is. It can be very scary. That's so yes. interesting. Yeah, that's really not something that a lot of people talk about, but yeah. it, it's true. It's very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, since you work with so many authors, um, what do you see them doing that they are doing because they think they have to, but it isn't producing results? I think the push and the strive to um, become a six-figure author as soon as possible. I think that's the most frustrating thing I've seen. And I'm going to... I especially in the entrepreneurial world, you see people say, oh, do something controversial. And I'm not that kind of person to do it for the sake of doing it. I'm always against the grain, but I found my controversial point. I don't (laughs) want to be a full-time author. And you guys are the first people I get to share this with, Mm -hmm. you know, I, because I want to be able to work as many hours as it feels good while living a life of freedom and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Freedom is not me working on books, 60 to 80 hours to have a six-figure income. Freedom to me is financial freedom. It's being paid off. It's time freedom. It's if my kids are sick and I have to go pick them up from school, I don't say, oh, darn, this is going to impact my deadline. I say, oh, honey, how can I help you feel better? Mm-hmm. I want freedom in life. I don't want to be tied to another job that is that ends up burning me out. And I think that's where a lot of burnout comes from is this, I need to hit this height that I see other authors hitting because that's where I'll find happiness. Mm -hmm. We have to be happy now 
Mm-hmm. And that actually helps fuel our creativity and our ability to succeed and find opportunities for easy marketing. There is such a thing as easy <laughs> marketing, but we can't find it when we're desperate. Mm-mm. When we're desperate for results, when we're desperate for money, then it's like the goal gets farther away and it gets harder to achieve. Yep. So I really think the biggest thing we can do is look at our own goals and say, what do I really want? What would be awesome to do this year? Mm-hmm. For me, I want to pay off my truck by the spring, which would be nice and early. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my goal because, as yes, I do want to eventually get to six figures a year. You know, actually having previously made double six figures, mm-hmm. <laughs> multiple six figures, I want to get back to that life. I like that. I like traveling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but for now, as I'm I'm handling a newborn baby, I have little kids who this is that time, this formative time when we get to really bond and I don't want to miss that. And then they grow up to be teenagers and, you know, we don't have this bond. I don't want to sacrifice my time, my precious time with them to strive for some arbitrary goal that may or may not actually bring me any closer to my children. Right. You know, I was very close with my parents. They took us on trips. They did all sorts of stuff with us and they didn't have six figures. Mm-mm. Yeah. And yeah. money doesn't need to be there to, to be happy. Right. Yeah. This has come up over and over again. Over I think and it's over a theme again. that we're seeing, even from our very, it makes me think of one of our earliest podcasts with Nathan Van Coops, because he's mm-hmm. a part-time author and how much he loved being a part-time author because it gave him some flexibility with his writing and he could try things that he you know, couldn't normally try, but I think it's just, it's coming up again and again. And it's a, I think it's something that we were all so excited with the potential to make money Mm -hmm. that, you know, because before it was pretty much out of our control. If you got a traditional deal, then you might, you know, hit that big number and do, but now we're like, we're in control. We can do this. And I feel like the pendulum is kind of swinging back the other way now where we're not Mm -hmm. so focused on the money itself, but more like what we enjoy in life. Yeah. 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 I mean, in my 20 books talk, I'd I'd say that, you know, don't take what you learn here and make your life fit into that. Take what you learn here and make it fit into your life. Because if you don't, if you're trying to constantly conform your life where you have definite obligations and restrictions simply because of time, children, family members that are, you know, depend on you, you know, sick parents, older parents, whatever it is, you, and you're trying to conform it to fit this model of some people who have freedom to do whatever they want. You will make yourself nuts. It will, (laughs) it will burn you out. You will be sick. You will be, you know, you will not be happy. But if you can take what you know really highly successful people are doing and make it fit into your life, then that's where you can find fulfillment and happiness and not be so stressed out, in my opinion. Absolutely. And and, uh, just a little thing to add on to that. Why can't uh, we we strive for something like I I do? My goal is to be a a part-time author making, quote unquote, full-time money. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. So even if um, for, for, for my goals, it could be $3,000 a month would more than pay my bills mm-hmm. and give me money to save and money to spend and mm-hmm. money to, you know, 
spoil my kids, <laughs> but, but how cool would that be? You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I see. I'm, yeah. Four hour work week sounds yeah. terrific. Doesn't or it? even 20. Yeah. I mean, yeah. For our work day. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause I mean, and I've said this before, I said it in my talk. I mean, I don't have to make all the money. I know what I have to make for my family. I know mm-hmm. what I have to make to keep my business running. I know what I have to make. And yeah. that's what I strive for. It is not all the money. And exactly. so, um, and that, that makes me a lot happier than trying to, because they're just, even though we do have control, there's still so much out of our control that, Absolutely. you know, I can't make people buy my books. I can't make people see my books. I can do everything to put it in front of them, but that does not mean they're going to buy it. And so I think that, yeah, it, it just, yeah, I, I just agree. I, agree. <laughs> I love we'll it. Stop the, we'll stop there. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> what are the most common mistakes you see? Um, people making like in their writing or in their planning or just setting up their writing business? Okay. So planning, I think the planning fallacy comes in pretty strongly. And that is when we plan for things to go moderately well. Mm-hmm. So like if we're planning. <laughs> it's a fallacy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And not saying that we should plan for the worst case scenario, but you know, for example, if you are planning your commute to a new job and you say, okay, how long does it take? You look at Google and, mm-hmm. and you get an idea and, um, and you say, okay, it takes me an hour to get to my new job. So uh, I'm going to plan for, you know, an hour, hour, 10 minutes, whatever. And then there's an accident on the way to work on your first day and you get really upset. Okay. So the, the fallacy is that we get upset because we get attached to the plan going well. We get attached to the plan going as we saw it in our heads instead of in our heads or in our planning, accounting for the things that could go wrong or could interrupt or delay our progress. So um, for example, I really want to finish editing book two this month of my thriller series. I also want to edit a, a short story because I, I see that people aren't reading it all the way through. So I'm like, okay, that's my problem. That's my yeah. fault. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to fix it. And, but I know in my planning, the way I do it is, okay, I have Christmas. I love wrapping. I love getting better at wrapping presents. <laughs> I love, um, I want to make cookies with the kids. I know that there's things that I want to do and I have a newborn baby and I'm getting about three or four hours of sleep at night cumulative right now. So I know that I'm not going to have as much energy. So I'm going to plan. I'm going to, my target not my goal. I call it a target. My target is to edit these, the short story and book two. Mm-hmm. But I know I'm not going to get upset if I have to push that back because I have all these other things in my life that are either delays because of they're outside of my control. Like when the baby decides to wake up and, and be hungry mm-hmm. or, um, you know, when my mother-in-law decides to call, please God, no. Um, <laughs> but, you know, or things, things that I can't predict, like the joy that I'm going to have building memories, creating memories mm-hmm. with my family. So I've got a target, but I'm not going to get upset because of the things that might delay it. 
So the planning fallacy is thinking of those things ahead that either you're creating more joy in your life and they're delaying your target, you know, pushing back your target or um, remembering that things outside of your control, they're just that they're outside of your control. And you got to give yourself grace when you have to stop and take care of those things Mm -hmm. or like the kids get sick and need to be picked up and taken care of, you know, picked up from school and taken care of. Well, guess what? That's, that's something that I'm so glad I can do for my kids because I'm not working two hours or two and a half mm-hmm. hours away, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so thinking about planning and targets and goals. And um, another thing is, Jamie, you touched on this, but setting goals is things we can control mm-hmm. versus my goal is to make $100,000 this year. Well, how about your goal is to... Um, improve your marketing so that your reach, that you reach, you know, X number of people this year with your ads, or you reach X number of people through Facebook, because we can see our reach, you know, the things that we can control is I'm going to spend three hours on marketing activity next week Mm -hmm. to reach more people or to grow my visibility. I'm going to um, set up a giveaway. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a good goal because that makes you follow through on it. And that's, you know, as long as you're doing the research and planning ahead, you is completing that is a great goal. It builds mm-hmm. momentum, momentum. You can succeed in doing it and you can grow your visibility. Mm-hmm. And those are very concrete, specific things. When you think yes. of it like that, instead of like, I'm going to make, you know, or do this kind of vague what you're saying is you make it much more specific and I I like that. And I really like the, the planning fallacy you point out because that's something that we do. Like if I'm going to drive somewhere and I'm always telling my kids, you know, well, if you're supposed to be there at nine, you know, try and plan to be there at eight 45, just in case anything happens. But over and over again, I don't do that in my writing planning. I'm like, Oh, you know, (laughs) I can get this book done in two months. No problem. But I don't, I don't allow any margin, which is just, yes. you know, I, I need to do it. You're yeah. so right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So anyway, I think this would be a good time to talk about the planner since we're talking yes. about goals. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your planner and how authors use it and kind of where it came from. So where it came from was I um, was working, I was writing for local magazines, I was doing the freelance work with um, uh, business to business and business to consumer copywriting and business to business, let me tell you, that is soul draining, (laughs) but but it pays well. So um, I was doing all these different things. And um, when I I was paying almost $1,200 every paycheck for daycare. And it came to a point where I was so exhausted from the commute because the, the traffic just gets worse around DC. Mm-hmm. It just gets worse as more and more people move here. They keep building new things right in the center. And, mm-hmm. and anyway, so I was, my health was really bad. I ended up in the ER with uh, bronchial pneumonia, pneumonia because I didn't have any time to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to leave my job uh, especially since I was struggling to even get my hours. I was like, this just isn't working out for me. It's not working out for them. And I'll just do my freelancing full time. So I started doing that and I kicked off the ATA. And then I also decided, oh, well, I'm going to finish my bachelor's and my master's on my GI bill, <laughs> uh, which 
as you know, is really limited time to do it in, you know, you have just, it's months. So I had to do double and triple time classes in order to complete it. And that was, that was my goal because that was something I could control, you know, (laughs) it was something I, I knew I could do if I put the effort in. So I was managing all this stuff and I had a lot of prototypes for my planner. I would, before I left my job, I'd be planning, okay, I only have a half hour after my commute and getting the kids ready and their stuff ready for the next day and dinner and meals. I have a half hour where I can write. So I'm going to, I knew exactly what I had to write every single day. And that made my time hyper-focused and hyper-productive. And so there was part of that lent lent itself to creating the planner. And then when I was, wasn't working full-time at my, my job anymore, I was doing all these part-time things and taking care of the children. I needed more of those planning tools and I needed to learn how to manage myself, which I wish I had um, read the, um, the e-myth revisited way back then. Um, It's good for anybody who is trying to manage themselves and, and treat their writing like a business. But um, so I was trying different planners. I'd go to Office Depot, I'd buy something pretty, and then I, I'd, like, I'd start using it, and it just it really didn't fit, you know, and it, mm-hmm. I couldn't stick with it. And then I tried, um, I was uh, part of the, I think it was Kickstarter for Panda Planner, and I started it, and then I didn't use it anymore. And then <laughs> I, I did, I got, a, I won a passion planner for an entrepreneur contest, uh, like, it was, um, anyway, so I, I won that and I was so excited and it was so pretty and the binding was so pretty that I was like afraid to use it. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to use this until I'm ready. <laughs> you know? It's too pretty to mar with my false starts. Right. <laughs> so, and then it just sat there and I looked at it and I would try to start using it over, over the course of a few months. And it just didn't speak to me. It didn't fit me trying to write mm-hmm. and manage my life. I needed like a business planner that had enough space for me to do, to, to manage everything. And uh, I know I, I do a lot. I was doing the freelancing. I was taking care of my kids. I was doing my, my education double and triple time, you know, and managing, you know, doing the ATA. And I was still writing, submitting to my critique groups, doing NaNoWriMo and, um, I also submitted for anthologies and I was excited. Wow. So I know it's, it's I'm exhausted just maddening. listening to it. <laughs> right. But I, I see a passion and, and, and that's another reason why I needed the ATA. So I had time to do my side passion. Mm-hmm. Like, Here's a video, go watch that. <laughs> right. That will answer your questions. And um, so I, I had all these things that I really wanted that made my life feel filled and, and also generated income some of those things. And so I was trying to find the right planner to help me make sure I didn't miss my deadlines. I couldn't afford with my GI bill being based on time. I couldn't afford to fail my classes mm-hmm. because then I wouldn't get my, my bachelor's and my master's with the GI bill. So um, I was going to buy Carrie Green's planner the first year she released it, but she did a print run. Um, she, you know, invested capital to do a print run and it was a hundred dollars before shipping. And I was just like, Oh my God, I can't afford this right now. I I couldn't afford it at the time. And so I was waiting and waiting. And then I opened up my email one day and they were all sold out. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? 
I'm tired of doing this. It was halfway through NaNoWriMo, by the way. <laughs> and I said, I know it's NaNoWriMo and I should be focusing on my fiction manuscript, but I, I really, really, really need a planner and I'm tired of waiting for the perfect one to come along. So I created one based on my need, my need and writing being so important in my life, as well as mm-hmm. still having these other things that were important in my life. Not everything right. is important, but being a mom, finding ways to take care of myself to, you know, prevent burnout and, and prevent health issues. Um, and my freelancing in generating an income, having a job, that is all important with my writing. Those are my top four things. So I created the planner as a way to manage the creative and business aspects, as well as integrate them with the rest of my life. And another thing I ever, some, one reviewer, um, she was like, well, I feel like she's trying to fit everything in the kitchen sink in here. There's a lot in there. You know why? Because I'm tired of having pretty <laughs> notebooks that get lost all over my house. And then I right. can't find what I need when I need it. Right. That's why it's all in one book. All, so funny. my story ideas, which I fill up every year, that section gets full and I have to go to my musings. So <laughs> that's why those spaces are there. So I can, I, I keep them on my shelf at my downstairs desk and I keep them so I can pull them up. What was that story idea? <laughs> like I'll ever run out of story ideas, right? Yeah. But I, I can look at my outlines. I can look at story ideas. I can look at character um, sketches that I do in my musing sections. And I don't have to say, what notebook was that in? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because the kids like to grab things. And the only thing they will grab is my planners because I gave them my proof copies. Yeah. <laughs> so they, had, they had their own versions and could leave mine alone. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, so tell but, us a little bit about the different sections of the planner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the front section after the introduction is my vision. And it's all about doing, you know, what I we talked about earlier, building your version of what success looks like, building um, your vision of what you want out of this and in a way that brings you fulfillment and makes you feel good. You know, making six figures if it comes at the cost of your health may not actually real feel really good. Right, <laughs> you know? right. So, and especially if you're spending all that money on medical bills. Mm-hmm. So um, but so the my vision section is all about helping you get in touch with your why and what really matters to you and why you like to write. What does this writing thing mean to you? Right. And then we have um, building up your, you know, setting up your manuscripts. What are your top five manuscripts for the coming year? You know, are you going to finish them? Are you going to edit them? Are you going to publish them? Are you just going to hope to write them this year? You know, what, is, what are your top five? Mm-hmm. That are most, and, and I ask actually ask you, why is this story important to you? Oh, wow. Yeah. Not just, okay, this is my prior project priority, but why? Mm-hmm. For me, um, like my thriller was number one this year in book two, because um, those characters needed to tell a story. I, I, I touch on very heavy topics like human trafficking and missing persons. Mm-hmm. And that to me is, I see news articles and it reminds me, I need to write these stories because I want to help raise awareness, you know, mm-hmm. to some degree about what's going on in our communities that we may not even realize. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, that's important. It's important to tell those stories that are inspired by real events. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, so I have that. And then I have a section for your editing process because that can change every year. Yes. <laughs> so you or can, every project. 
they really can. Yes, every project. So I keep notes of my, you know, what am I doing this time that I need to be aware of? And writing it helps me actually ingrain it in my mind. So the next time I'm writing a new draft, I'm like, oh, I did that thing last time. Let me correct that real quick while I'm drafting. And I'm, it gets it helps me get better at not making all of the same mistakes over and over again. And you can also lay out which editors you might want to consider for each manuscript, um, your top five most important ones. And then there's also an agents and queries. And I'm going to change that in the coming year to submissions because some people do like um, submitting to writing contests or right. some people do want to submit traditionally or they want to um, query agents and having a submissions page it actually tracks who you submitted to your, your basic details because uh, who has ever lost details in their email and you struggle yeah. to search for it yeah. right so just even having this analog way of keeping track of it um, it shows too that this is important to you but I, I like doing the NYC at midnight contests. And so I write those in that section. Mm-hmm. And when do I have to, you know, when are my little due dates and deadlines? When will I hear back? Or when am I, when are we expected to hear back about the winner so that I know to prepare for round two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's a good section. And then story ideas, of course. Um, the income and expense tracker. I like this. And even though we can do this digitally and it's really easy with QuickBooks, if you have a lot of income and expenses, Mm -hmm. then what I like about doing this analog as well is that I have to think a lot more carefully and critically about my expenses when I'm writing them in my planner by hand. That is so true. Yeah. Yeah. I have to really evaluate. Ooh, is this a, do I feel good about writing this in here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's almost like when you track your food, you know, like you have to write down those calories. It's like, I still don't even know if it's worth it eating that. (laughs) Yeah. Do I have to? Oh man, if I eat this donut, I'll have to write it in my food. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to admit it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's great. So, yep. And then I have a, you know, my marketing section and mine means I, I just want the planner user to take accountability response. This is their thing. So I have yeah. my vision, my stories, my manuscripts, my editing, my mm-hmm. marketing. That's because I want you to embrace what this planner is for you. Right. You You don't Mm -hmm. have to use every section, but you can adapt sections if you need to. But my marketing, oh my goodness, this is my marketing plan. What can you do? Think about collaboration. Think about this. Think about that. Um, You need, you're struggling to do your blog, what you really want to. Well, I actually have where you can sit down at the front of the planner, which you fill out before you begin your year and come up with 52 blog or podcast ideas. (laughs) You know? Yeah. If you're in a brainstorming session, it's actually pretty easy to come up with about half of those in, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And then, wow, now I just need to run with that topic. So it's kind of front loading a lot of this creative and brainstorming process for your marketing and getting you from feeling overwhelmed with all that you can do to saying, okay, I can think of at least one thing I can start with. And then maybe I can think of the next thing. And then Mm -hmm. laying out your year, what are you going to focus on marketing each month? A lot of people don't think about that. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so then yeah. you get to the new month and you're like, oh, God, what am I going to do for my marketing? And then it's, it really is when you're running like that, throwing mm-hmm. spaghetti at the wall. Mm-hmm. So when you plan out your marketing year, you can say, you know, January, I'm, I'm um, 
focusing on my thriller or um, book one to get people in because in February I have uh, I'm releasing book two. So if I'm releasing book two in February, then I really need to focus on that marketing for January. It's really important. And then in March, I'm going to focus on my lead magnet so that I can restart the process ahead of releasing book three. So it, it really makes you sit down and say, at least get an bird's eye view of your marketing for the year. And I think that has helped so many people really get successful with or more intentional about their marketing. And with more intention, I feel we can be so much more successful versus kind of running at the last minute for everything. Right. And especially like if you, um, if you're running promos on your backlist, something yeah. like that is just really great to have it right in front. I mean, if, yes, of course, we can see it on the computer, but sometimes it's it's good to have it both places. So you it can really see, you know, this is for the year what I'm going to do. I love that. Yeah. Yes. And writing it down, um, again, it gets that ingrained mm-hmm. in your mind. Yes. Like, if I have to write down what I'm going to do this month, then it must be important. I'm going to make sure that these right. 10 strokes count. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So for someone like me, who is not super, super organized, like what are some things that I can do to get me ready for the new year or not just me, but other people like me? (laughs) Yeah. So even if you're not super organized, I think the most important thing is looking forward to December 31st, 2022 and saying, how do I want to feel at the end of next year? Yeah. Do I want to feel accomplished? Do I want to feel like I had the most, I, I had a year that was so profoundly filled with love and joy and giving. And, um, and of course we know when we, we give, we open ourselves up more to receive, mm-hmm. So, you know, making time in our schedule, room in our schedule for that, but thinking, how do I want to feel next year? Mm-hmm. If I had to pick one thing, if I, it's, it's December 31st and my, my person that I'm with, my spouse or whoever I'm with, they say, what are you most proud of from the last year? What do I want to tell them? Yeah. Yeah. What would be that one thing? Right. You know? Because we can have multiple projects. We can have, you know, I, I say you can have your three goals or targets, right. or objectives, mm-hmm. but they should always be prioritized mm-hmm. because otherwise you can get to look at them and you can feel like floundering back and forth between, Oh, well, shoot, should I do this one? I don't know what to do next. You should never right. have to say, I don't know what to do next. Right. right. And knowing what is important to you will help you always keep that in mind. Okay. So if you're unorganized or you don't, or you believe you're unorganized, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you believe that you, you have a hard time with planning. I would say, put your targets for the year. Your targets, your objectives, the milestones you want to achieve, even if it is a financial milestone that you want to achieve, at least underneath of it, put the actions that you are going to take to attempt to achieve that. But print it off on a single sheet, make it a pretty border on Canva. Um, If you don't have color printer, print it at Office Depot. I print my targets for the year and I put them in my writing space so that when I look up, when I'm sitting here doing this, Oh yeah, that is really important to me. Right. Okay. I know exactly what I have to do now. Okay. Okay. That's great. That's that's great great advice and great information. 
I appreciate that. Thank Thanks. you. Yeah, thank you. I I, I do appreciate that because that that is something that happens to me. I go ah ah <laughs> oh crud! You know, it's January thirty first, and I haven't done any of the. You know, I haven't even started the things I thought I would start because I kind of forget them and stuff. So having them in front of me, that's really good. That's really and then you good. can say, well, it may be January 31st. And even though I didn't, I didn't get as much progress as I want. I know what my year target is. So what right. is the action that I can take today? Today to make that to happen. Move yeah. toward that thing that is so important to me. Right. That's going right. to make me feel so good. Right. So in planning, I know you talked about um, not, um, not preparing for the interruptions that will come into your schedule. But what are some of the other things you think people do that kind of get them sidetracked when it comes to setting a plan and then following the plan for the year? Yeah, I would say attachment. Mm. Attachment to the outcome or attachment to the plan, like over-attachment. So Mm. I I love creating my plan. It's really important to me. Mm -hmm. It helps me sleep better. And there's actually studies behind that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are. (laughs) So I did um, a a text interview for uh, Indie Author Magazine. So you guys can, if they look at the December issue of that, they'll see the studies I I used references because I have a master's degree. Yes, exactly. (laughs) There you go. So, um, but it helps me sleep better. And, and the one thing I've had to learn over the years that I've shared with other people, and it's a discipline, it's a practice. It's not something you can switch on and off, but is when things don't go to plan and you don't achieve your targets or your goals, Mm -hmm. you can't beat yourself up and say that it's not possible. Right. Okay. So if I say I'm driving from West Virginia to Texas and I'm going to go visit Jamie, right. And I get stuck in Tennessee. Well, does that mean that, oh, throw out the towel, just throw in the towel. It's all over. I quit. Yeah. It's never going to happen. No, no. <laughs> I say, I guess I got to fix my truck again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and then I'll go to see Jamie. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to wait for two hours for roadside assistance and it's mm-hmm. going to suck and I'm going to be mad, but I'm going to, you know, I'm still going to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to make it happen. So okay. thinking of our targets more as like a physical destination mm-hmm. and something that you can constantly work toward. So yeah. if you are, you have a delay, don't beat yourself up up over it. Don't say I'm so bad at planning or it's not possible. I mean, the emotional attachment to our goals or to our plans going correctly mm-hmm. and as best as possible, again, planning fallacy, mm-hmm. that attachment is so detrimental to building momentum and feeling successful. Sometimes if we can get those small wins and think of our terms and in, in, think of our goals in terms of breaking them down into steps, we can build momentum, we can feel successful, and that helps us build, uh, create progress. It, it helps get, make progress faster because we feel good about what we're doing. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, then we feel better because mm-hmm. we feel like we have done something, even if it's yes. not the original plan. Yes. So, yeah. I think Absolutely. that's good. You have to be flexible, I think, too. Yeah. Don't you? I mean, I, do, so this is a question I have. Do you plan your whole year and then it doesn't change or do you adjust as you go along? My favorite thing in the world are friction pens. You know why? <laughs> They're erasable. They're erasable. So I, um, I what had kind, this. What kind of pens are these? Friction. Yeah. 
friction pins. All right, yep. I'm making note of that right now. <laughs> so friction, instead of a CT, it's an X. Oh, so F-R-I-X-I-O-N. And these pens are wonderful. So if I go in, um, for example, my planning in December 2020, I was like, no, I'm going to finish a manuscript a month. I'm going to do it because I survived COVID and I need to make <laughs> progress because I don't know if I'm going to get COVID again and not make it this time. I didn't think I didn't think I was going to make it through that first bout of COVID. It was awful. Yeah. Um, my my it was a heart problem for me, not a lung problem. Hmm. So oh, wow. I had yeah. So I my heart rate got down to thirty eight beats per minute. <gasps> oh yeah, my gosh. and I had severe um, tachycardia and and issues with my heart afterward, as as well as the brain issues. So yeah, um, the cognitive function was not there, and I, I just man, if what if I get COVID again? Then what if I really want to get these stories out? It's important to me. I want to spend time with my kids, but while they're doing X Y Z. I want to fulfill my creative purpose in life. You know, it's really important to me. So I made these huge plans and then I, I, you know, I was starting to get better um, because I took some, some medical advice that would hopefully help me get better from the long Mm -hmm. COVID and relieve those symptoms. And, and it resulted in me getting pregnant. <laughs> and, and I didn't find out. I was, I was like, man, something's wrong. And I kind of like, you know, sometimes you kind of know. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. oh, no, I think I'm pregnant. And <laughs> after I'd made all my plans and filled up my the front of my planner, I don't fill out every month. I let that come, you know, uh-huh. right. because like I've learned over the past five years, things, you know, things, uh, uh, things happen. You need to adjust your yeah. plan. Well, I definitely needed to adjust my plan this year. Because <laughs> yeah. The pregnancy was extremely difficult. I was in pain all the time. I was more exhausted than any other pregnancy. I was so sick in that first trimester that I lost 15 pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was, I was like, well, I'm glad I lost weight, but I'm worried about the baby. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. And thankfully she was perfectly healthy and she came out perfectly healthy. She came out eight pounds, eight ounces, so yeah, yeah. 90th percentile. And, um, but I, I did not have the mental or physical, definitely not the physical energy to, to fulfill those original goals. Right. And instead of beating myself up about it, I said, well, I'm creating a new life. So I guess I'm creating something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to take each month as it comes because I, uh, as I started feeling better and I got out of the sickness, I was like, okay, I have more energy. I can write more now. And any little bit of stress would send me into contractions. I started having contractions in month five. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty scary. I couldn't even go walking. I was a step above bed rest. So it was it was, and then I was like, well, I'll just sit in my chair and I'll lift weights and, you know, do something about my horrible flabby arms. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> it would send me into contractions. Oh my gosh. And so they're like, no, stop that. <laughs> and, okay. I guess so. So, um, so it was one of those years where, yeah, nothing went to plan. Right. And right, I right. still, I still put out an anthology. I organized, I participated in it and I put out an anthology. I still um, created new things for other authors. I still worked on my writing. I finished book two. Um, 
you know, I still worked on my fiction, my nonfiction, mm-hmm. fixing up planners and thinking, oh, what if, what if people want this planning tool? I'm going to create it for me. And if other people want it, that's great too. You yeah. know? Yeah. And so I still, I still did a lot. Yes. Made so many accomplishments and I didn't get attached to the fact because I had practice. I didn't get attached to the plan I had originally created. I learned to roll with life and and give myself grace, which is something that takes again so much practice. Mm -hmm. It's okay, Audrey. Look at what you've got going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk yourself, call yourself by your first name, Mm -hmm. your 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 name that you prefer anyway. Call yourself by your name and say, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You've had these challenges and you, you know, think about your inner child, your five-year-old self. Would you yell at them Mm -hmm. if they missed their deadline? Mm-mm. Would you yell at them if they had a hard day and they didn't get all their homework, quote unquote, right. done? You know, right? right. No. Yeah. You'd say it's okay, honey. Give me a hug. It's going to be okay. We can start fresh again tomorrow. Right, right. Oh, that's so great, and it's probably great to end on because I think we all need to do that. I know that I do, and uh, yeah. I just have loved this. This is so great. Tell people, uh, well, first of all, tell us what you think you've done to set yourself up for success. It sounds like what you just said, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, tell, tell people what you think you've done to set yourself up for success. I think what I've done to set myself up for success is really the mindset work is the foundation of it all. Mm -hmm. And then from that, having the right mindset about marketing, about writing, about, setting goals or plans. I like to call them targets or objectives, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but setting those things up mentally and understanding that I'm just doing, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to give a hundred percent to what matters to me in this life and the things that I want to give to the world, um, to share with the world in the time that I have, Mm -hmm. you know, that is most important to me. And I keep that forefront. And then I build from that, and I break down every target I have into its steps yeah. and I separate. So I have a new year planning workbook on Etsy. I hope that's not too much of a plug, but it, I've updated that. I just recently updated it and I took more time than I planned for because <laughs> I was like, you know what we need to do? I want to break down by quarter, not just uh-huh. what you want to do each month, but you, what you want to do creatively. Mm-hmm. what you want your marketing focus to be, and then um, what you need to do as far as business and administrative tasks. Mm. Like, are yeah. you doing quarterly expense report? Are you doing your quarterly? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Are you doing a, a quarterly working with your VA and building a new, you know, uh, marketing focused or adjusting the plan? You know, what are you doing? What do you need to do on the business side? So breaking that down quarterly also helps you again, break down those steps so you can have one bite at a time. Mm-hmm. Eating that elephant. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise it's <laughs> overwhelming to think, yes. oh, I don't know what I'm going to do for marketing in the fall. No, yes. I know I'm going to, I, you know, I want to do a, a thriller party and, and for the fall and, and focus on that horror theme or Halloween theme for a thriller aspect so that I can get people revved up and excited about my books, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, and do maybe do author swaps or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. breaking it down step-by-step, step, I think is crucial to yeah. 
um, setting ourselves up for success and, and avoiding the overwhelm yes. that, that really causes paralysis. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think that happens a lot when you try and plan the whole year. Like it's yeah. like, it seems like too much. And so I think what you said has been really good because it it's like, you can figure out what you can do, have like a, maybe a big overview, but it's not set in stone and it can change and you can mm-hmm. get more detailed as you get closer. So exactly. I think it's been really good. So tell people where they can find out more about the planner and um, where they can go. Cause you have different versions of it, right? Yes. So I have a coil bound version, which I love and most people love, and that is on lulu.com. You can also order it through my website where I have all sorts of fun things. Um, There's an online ordering tab on the menu, but it's the right services dot com right being w-r-i-t-e because i thought i was so clever (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i was like oh that's just too clever and i couldn't believe no one else had taken it so i was like that's mine and (laughs) so i also have the planner is on amazon as well but the you know it's kdp and so i have it for quite a bit less on there it's 25 dollars because the upcharge for the coil bounding coil binding is you know it's like right yeah that one's only at lulu right the one on amazon is like a we we can't yes it's a paper perfect bound paperback on amazon but some people do prefer that um and some people hate it (laughs) and they're like why can't we get coil bound on amazon well because i have to invest a ton of money uh up front and then it would be you know it's it's too much of a headache right it would be I can't figure out how to do FBA from Lulu to Amazon. I would have to be an in-between shipper and it would add a lot of money to the cost per planner. And I don't want to do that to people. I want, I don't want this to be a hundred dollar planner because again, that was, I I don't want success to be that far out of reach. You know, I don't want a tool that, I mean, people are coming up to me in Vegas all the time. And it was really weird because I don't see myself like that, but people are like, your planner was so helpful. And you know, I got four books done in four months because your planner, like that was like the biggest compliment to me. That's like huge, you know, <laughs> that is wonderful. Oh. And I think that, oh, Jamie's Jay- muted. Jamie, you're muted. You want to lower the barrier to entry. You don't want to. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want, I want, I, I never want success as an author to be something that, you know, you have to have hundreds or thousands of dollars to, to right. find. Right. Yeah. And that's why I do these low cost things. Cause I'm just trying to share with the world and cover the cost of maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> of these exactly. Yeah. exactly. Well, yeah. very good. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been awesome. I've just loved every bit of it. Thank it you so great. much for having me. Yeah. yeah. And we'll have all those links in the show notes and um, they will be at wish I'd known then podcast.com. And thanks to Alexa Larberg for editing the podcast and Adriel Wiggins for uploading. And we will see y'all next week. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.